What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Perfectly Blended Podcast, Season 5, Episode 13. And guess what? We're going to talk about Mental Health Awareness Month, and that's coming up right now. so much for joining us on the perfectly blended podcast this podcast is for blended families for couples that want to strengthen their marriage and want a brighter future perfectly blended exists to break the stigma of divorce drop the shame and guilt holding you back and equip marriages to thrive instead of just survive we believe all that is possible in this life is based on the power of jesus christ and his ability to restore us fully let's dive in (laughs) What is up, everybody? Welcome to today's show. We want to welcome you. I am one of your hosts, Josh, here with the always gorgeous, and look at her. You're jealous. I know. <laughs> Beautiful Miss Christy, how are you, my love? I'm good. Are you? Good. Mm-hmm. What, do you want, what do you want to share with everybody today? What is your wisdom for the crew that is on the other end of this tonight? It is Mental Health Awareness Month for those that don't know. And uh, I think sometimes it gets overshadowed shadowed by, <laughs> by Mother's Day. And uh, and we do have to celebrate moms. We did a whole podcast on moms, you mm-hmm. know, about Mother's Day and stepmoms and blended families. But this is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I know some people might be asking, like, why would a stepfamily podcast or a marriage podcast be wanting to do a podcast on mental health? Some of you may be asking that. Some of you, it may be obvious. But to to me, it's obvious because I had and have mental health issues, you know, from trauma growing up and things that I've had to deal with in my own life. And that is something that your spouse, you know, that has to support or deal with, you know, not in a negative sense, but Mm -hmm. be able to know how to maneuver and work through when they're supporting or married to someone that has mental health issues. And then also there's some marriages that both people have, um, mental health, you know, concerns. And so it's important for them to each figure out healing for themselves, but how they also can come together in their marriage and be together in it. It's, it's a huge part of marriages because a lot of people, especially in the United States have uh, mental health issues. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, right? We, we as believers understand that we live in a world that is broken, right? We live in a fallen world. We live in a world full of sin and We've said it before, and I'm sure you've heard it before, but, you know, we were raised by people that were broken, you know, and we were raising little broken people, right? Yeah. So with all this brokenness, yeah, mental health issues are going to happen. Like, it's yeah. going to happen, especially with Christy, you know, d- you know, going through, unfortunately, physical, mental, emotional, and sexual abuse all throughout her life. You know, that is not going to just uh, one day just have this awesome person, right? She has experienced, you know, mental health issues throughout most of her life. And now, you know, by the grace of God and working hard on things, she's understood on, you know, how to manage these things and really work hard on them. And it's still not perfect, but Mm -mm. it is incredible how much uh, you have come and how hard I know it's been for you. Mm -hmm. And so we want to talk a little bit about that. We want to play, you know, pay, you know, tribute to this month. It's important because mental health is a real issue. It truly, truly is a, a major issue. And you know, we, I looked up a few facts before we, you know, before this podcast tonight, and there's actually listed uh, in, in scientific documentation more than 300 disorders when it comes to mental health issues. 
But, and I didn't know that. Which is crazy, right? So there's so many different things that can be considered mental health, right? But what is the actual definition of a mental health disorder? It says a wide range of conditions that affect your mood, your thinking, and your behavior. And then the most common of those, the most common that we see every day, is uh, bipolar disorder, persistent depression, which I thought was really an interesting thing because we see it a lot. We see people that get addicted to being depressed. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a, you know, it's an addiction to being depressed. Yeah. Anxiety, right? I know we all suffer to some form of anxiety. Uh, major depression, which is technically clinical depression, which is a very small amount of people. A lot of people will claim they have clinical depression, but clinical depression, Christy can tell you, is no joke. Mm -hmm. It gets to a point to where, you know, it needs medication uh, and a, a lot of intervention. OCD, PTSD, social anxiety, those are some of them that are listed. Yeah. So when I was younger, I got diagnosed with manic depressive bipolar disorder is what I was diagnosed with. And I'm sure if I went to a counselor now and spoke, I probably would have some form of anxiety and depression, which I struggle with. But I think it's important to be aware over time, you know, after I gave up drinking, quit drinking, I uh, was on a plethora of Xanax and antidepressants and things like that to stabilize me. And over time, I got off of those as well. And I think it's important for people. I'm not here to get in an argument that there isn't some instances where medication is needed. I'm not here to get into argument that sometimes there are some people out there that need medication for the entirety of the rest of their lives. But for the most part, most people probably just need medication short term to get through maybe suicidal thoughts or a trauma or PTSD, yeah. something that happened to them that they really need something to make it so they're not self-harming or yeah. committed suicide or just so that they can get through the day. Mm -hmm. And then it should be on a rigorous plan of counseling and trying to get it to it someday. They don't have to be on medication and diet and exercise, sun. All of that has a lot to do with it, getting your vitamin D, taking care of yourself, um, and self-care. So yeah. a lot, that's what I did is I didn't take care of myself, and then I just medicated myself. And the thing that upset me the most now looking back is there was no plan by my doctors to get me off of them. It wasn't ever discussed. Mm. I didn't even have to go see counselors or psychiatrists anymore. I was on them. They were prescribed to me. And every month I could go in and tell my doctor, I need another, I need another supply. I'm, I'm out. And they would get called in. There wasn't a plan of, um, are you exercising? Are you regularly seeing your counselor or psychiatrist? Are you like nothing? Yeah. What are you doing to work on yourself? Nothing. <laughs> it just was given to me, you know, mm -hmm. and then I was abusing alcohol at the time, which not your doctor's not going to know that unless they you unless tell, you tell them, them, right? you know? So I think it's very important. Like we only get one life. You need mm. to take care of yourself and you need, if you don't need mind altering drugs, if you're doing everything you can to live healthy and be healthy and pray and be in the word and be surrounded by community, do not isolate. Isolation's worse. Yeah. And you're doing all those things and you still need something to then by all means do it. But what are else are you doing besides medication? You know, yeah. so and I didn't mean to get on that tangent, but that's no, just I, something that I did for years. I didn't take stop taking them until what I was in my 30s. Yeah. And I had been prescribed them starting at 18. 
And the thing about it is your body gets accustomed to it and then they just change it. They just give you a different brand. They're like, oh, okay, well, your body obviously, we can't go any higher of a dose of uh, Zoloft. We'll switch you to Effexor and then Effexor extended elite, you know, release. And then you go up, 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 up dosages. And then, oh, your body's gotten accustomed to it. We'll just switch you to, you know, a different one. Oh, we'll give you some Xanax too because you can take Xanax as needed. You know, and so it's just, it was, it's crazy. It's a mess. Yeah. It's a mess. And that's the thing, right? So when we talk about, you know, mental health issues, a lot of the stuff that uh, I believe that we lean on, uh, you know, is just not solving the problem at hand. We don't want to deal with things. So we medicate and that helps us just forget or ignore and get rid of the pain. It's kind of like, you know, taking painkillers instead of actually solving the problem what's causing the pain. Yeah. You know, instead of doing those things, it's just easy to medicate on that. So, you know, I think it's really important that as believers in Christ that we understand that there's a spiritual way, there's a mental way and a physical way that we can take care of ourselves to overcome the most of it. You know, and Christy will tell you, you know, she shared on here many a times that she still has bouts of depression and things that come up, mm -hmm. but when they do, she handles it accordingly. She allows it to go through its process. She doesn't fall off the deep end with it. She, you know, sometimes it goes longer than what she's comfortable with, but she understands like this is just part of the process. It's not perfect. It's not going to last forever though. And something that she's really embraced over the time. And I think that is, um, it seems like the time between these events get gets greater and greater. Yeah. Yeah. And I do feel like everybody has a crutch that they have to carry for their life. And mine is depression and anxiety. I feel like based off of what I dealt with, you know, growing up and through my teens and God would want me to use that. And if you struggle with this, God would want you to use this to be a testimony to other people mm -hmm. that it's okay. It, it's, it's, you can get through it. Talk to people when you're going through it, tell them how you're getting through it because you can be an encouragement to someone else while you're doing it. Yeah. And you've really, I think, you know, and it's just such a powerful episode for us because it's something that Christy has dealt with for so long, but you know, you've really, you know, decided at one point to kind of have the, the concept or theme of embracing the suck when things happen. Like you're like, no, I know that I'm, I'm not going to slip back into this. And I know this sucks right now. And I'm going to take what I've learned through my own individual growth, my spiritual growth, uh, having a husband that's supportive in this. And I'm just going to, I'm going to understand that I can get through this. And sometimes it sucks for you bad. It does. It does. Especially if I start having, like, I can feel it start coming and I start feeling like I can't breathe. I'm like really shaky. I start feeling hot and it's like I have to like go outside or I have to get up and start walking around and then I have to look at things like what's five things that I see right now, tree, car, you know, yeah. get your mind off of that and then start saying like, what am I, thank you so much for my life. Thank you for allowing me to have such a beautiful life where I live in a nation where I can go to church, I can worship you and my marriage and all of those things. Not that that gets me out of it right then, but it helps. Yeah. you know, get me out of that. And I know that if I go through too many days like that, I have slipped before since we've been together into like some deep depression that I have to just be aware of and embrace, like you said, and just say I'm in depression right now, especially when we went through where my dad died, my uncle died, my grandpa died. Mm -hmm. I got real. That's the worst I think I've been since you and I have been together. And I just had to get through it. I had to talk about it at Celebrate Recovery in small group. And I had it. to be, I had to be open about it, yeah. you know, for that and pray obviously and do those things. But 
it stinks because once you start healing from depression, it doesn't stink. I shouldn't say that, but you have to become really, really, really self-aware because Josh and I were talking about just before we started this podcast that, uh, there's some days I, I have to recognize I'm just having an off day or a bad day because I didn't get enough sleep or maybe Josh and I haven't had a lot of alone time in a month, you know, and so that's off kilter or I haven't had a self uh, health day, like a mental health day where I'm like, I can just stay at home and, mm. and not get out of bed if I don't want and just watch movies all day because I love watching movies. Like that, there's something that's off and that's something that I can be fixed like this. Yeah. If I start then starting to see panic attacks or anxiety start to bubble up in me, I know that is a preset to, I will eventually fall and sometimes it takes a day, sometimes it takes a week, fall into some depression. So I have to be self-aware of that and start doing things in place right then. Like, okay, I need to make sure that I get enough sleep. I need to make sure I'm eating right. We need to go out, babe. Do you want to go for a walk tonight? Because we need to get out and go for a walk. Just do things that helps combat that. Yeah. So that's important. But yeah, we, we haven't even started the episode. No, yet. we haven't started the episode. And I think because it's such a it's such a powerful episode. Yeah. And it's so near and dear to your heart. Yeah. You know, it's just so easy to talk about and have empathy for other people about. But so we have three quick things we want to talk about today when it has to do uh, with mental health and awareness, right? So uh, we want to make sure that we're bringing you some value tonight. So number one is understanding your signs, understanding your signs. And everybody's signs are different. So I don't know if everybody watching this or listening to this later on that I, I don't know if everyone knows, but I did try to commit suicide when I was 16. And I tried to do that by overdosing on medications. And I, up until that point, until I was 16, I didn't have anybody. I didn't have anybody in my, no one, not a single person, not a mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, friend that would just check up on me to say, hey, how is she doing? That, that were aware that I struggled so bad with depression all of these things. And so you have to know your signs. So I should have reached out or even if I would have had the education to call a, a 800 number. So my signs were I really were isolating when I was around friends or something. I really had high highs. That was part of the bipolar. So I acted like super happy, super outgoing, super talkative, very loud all the time. And then when I was at home or by myself, I was just crying and I was writing dark poems about how I don't deserve to um, be sad. I don't deserve to to wallow in what happened to me because there's people in the world that have had it so much worse. So I was trying to tell myself mm. there are so many, so many people in the world that had it so much worse than me. Kids that don't even have a roof over the head that got cigarettes put out on them, which I never had that happen, that I didn't deserve to be upset or be yeah. Uh, feel bad about. I just needed to be happy. And so it was like, I was trying to force it into existence. And so I ended up um, just not wanting to live anymore. And after that was unsuccessful, I actually started cutting myself and cutting. If no one, if you have someone in your life that has experienced cutting, cutting is like for me, and it may be different for everybody, but for me, it was like, I wanted to hurt myself because I really felt worthless and I deserved the pain and I deserved that. 
I don't, I, that's just the way that I felt. And so you really have to know your signs. Like now I'm very, very aware of my signs and I have a trusted person, which is my husband that can see the signs too. And so sometimes, especially if I'm getting ready to have anxiety, if we're out to eat for breakfast or something, he has recognized the sign before me. Like we'll be talking and I will start pulling. I'll start all of these things like I can't breathe or I'm getting really hot. He can recognize my signs and he'll say, do you need to go outside? Do you need to step outside? You know, and eventually my legs starts pop. Yeah, and you lose focus. Yeah. Yeah, see, and I don't even recognize that. Yeah, you lose that. focus. Yeah. And so it's, how is that though, like as a spouse, having to support or having a spouse that struggles with that? And that's nothing that's ever going to go away. Like, how is it for you when I am like going, like this past Sunday, I had a mini one. You did. To where I'm I was like, gonna mention that. I have to go outside. I just have to go outside. Yeah. So like, how is that? When, because you have plans for the day in your head. Yeah. You know, and you and I have plans of stuff that we're going to go do. And then all of a sudden I'm just like, I can't like handle it, you know, type of thing. Well, so my view of you though, is my wife, right? And God has given me the ability to lead you and care for you. And that's my job. And so I, to, to do that in a way that's going to best suit you, which will best suit our family and our children and our community, I believe as a whole is that I need to pay attention to what's going to work for you. So my thing that makes it so much like, that allows it to happen is you allow me to care for you in that moment. Yeah. And I think a lot of people uh, that suffer from like some type of anxiety or panic attack, don't touch me, don't look at me, leave me alone. Yeah. And you just don't do that with me. Now you'll you. do that with other people. Yeah. But with me, and I think over the years, like you've, we've created this trust with the, mm -hmm. each other that I will stop the earth to allow you to go be you when yeah. you need to be you, you know, That's we'll true. be grocery shopping. And she's like, I'm like, do you need to go outside? And she's like, no, I think I'm okay right now. I'm like, okay. And then I give it about two minutes and I know, and I give it about two minutes and then I'm like, do you need to go now? And then she's like, yeah, I really do. And I know she's feeling bad. That's this whole two minute window is like, yeah. she's feeling bad about it. I need to get a grip of this. I need to get a handle yeah. of this. And it just doesn't work that way. Right. And I know that. And so I, I allow that space enough to where when I ask again, you're like, okay, I get it. It's fine. Yeah. You know, and then gives you an opportunity to go out and do it. But as a spouse, like, I don't view this as something that's a weakness or a problem in our relationship at all. Because I have issues in our relationship too. You know, it's something happened just before we even got on tonight. We're at dinner and uh, she had said something to me about, she basically did a kind of a positive criticism to me. And I normally talk around it and be like, oh, that's not what I meant. And that's kind of like my coping mechanism to like not be wrong. And she knows this about me. And I said, no, nope, that's fair. You're right. And she's instantly gave me reward for it. Instead of thinking to herself, yeah, it's about time. Mm -hmm. Like how many times we have to go through this? And finally, you know, she doesn't do that stuff. And I think we have this trust in our relationship that we don't, we don't want each other to feel bad mm -mm. or feel less than. Right. And I think to support you in the things that are going on with you, I want to empower you, not disempower you. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's it. But I think the signs are important, understanding your signs and then having your partner understand the signs yeah so they can partner with you because i think you understand my signs really well at I this do. point it's been like 11 years but he's also had the blessing and the curse of me going through this healing process from ground zero 
So when him and I first started dating 11 years ago, I was an active alcoholic. He was not. I was on all of my antidepressants and Xanax and all of that. He was not. And I hadn't had any self-healing of self-awareness, self-growth, anything like that. So he's got to be with me, blessing and a curse, from ground zero and see me go from here to here, but also has had to deal with that. You know, the different layers of going through that. Yeah, it's been an interesting growth path for us because we've talked about it on other shows, but it's really interesting where Christy was like at the bottom of her own personal barrel or line, you know, or cord or rope or whatever you want to call it in the beginning of a relationship. Road. Road, right? <laughs> and she has been nothing but but increase year after year after year, right? And so me, I was on the uptick already when we got together. And so over the years, she's seen me decrease at times. And so she's had to step up and be there for me. So it's like, it's been a blessing and a curse, but I think more of a blessing than a curse because we've learned how to take care of each other in a healthy way and not get frustrated or tired of like dealing with certain things about each other, understanding that we're both humans and uh, sin can get the best of us sometimes and working through that. And I think that's what we need in marriage. We have to have that patience, that never ending patience for things like that for each other. Yeah. Number two. Number two. I love this one. Do not let it define you. Yeah. So I I used to know somebody that would be like, I am just depressed. I have like this disorder and my medication isn't working and I just need a new medication, you know? And then they're, they were like waiting on the medication to change them. Or they would go to a service, a church service, and the church service would really, they'd be like, yeah, that's what I, you know, that really motivated me. And then they leave and they go out into the world. And as soon as the world hits them, five minutes later, 10 minutes later at the gas station, even they're, they're right back into their old habits. Right. And it's because I think a lot of that is people allow what they have been diagnosed to define them in your own. It's your thoughts are powerful. And so if you're telling yourself, I'm a depressed person, I need medication. I need, it's different than me saying I struggle with depression and I take medication to help offset that. But I am an active person. I am a healthy eater. I am these things. If you're recognizing those, it does make a difference. And a lot of people, me included, When I was at the bottom of my barrel, if someone was like, you just need to tell yourself like you're this, this, and this. And I I would be like, you're an idiot (laughs) is what you are. Like that doesn't make a difference. It does. And if you listen to successful people in in the world's eyes and in a self-growth eyes, all of them say your self-talk is top priority. Mm. Your self-talk in how how you are gossiping or not gossiping about other people, how you're judging other people, your circle of influence around you, what you're watching, what you're listening to, your mind is the trajectory for your life. Mm. It is all things. So at Celebrate Recovery, you know, they say, I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I am. That's what they identify with, a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with this, this, or this. And it's like a way of saying, like, I am a child of the one true king. Mm -hmm. My cross that I have to bear is mental health concerns. And I choose to pick that up and follow God as he has commanded Mm -hmm. me to in the Bible. And you have to, that impact, just saying that empowers you. It makes you 
you know, put your head up and stick your chest out and say, yes, you know, with God, all things are possible. And I, he knitted me together in my mother's womb. He knew all of the trials and tribulations I was going to go through in my childhood. He knew how much I was going to be just discarded and thrown to waste. But the devil tried to beat it beat me down, but the devil lost because yeah, it took until I got into my thirties. So if you don't wait till you get into thirties, you got a massive head start. <laughs> but I got into my thirties and really committed my life to God and really submitted my life to him and wanted to be a Christ follower. I haven't done everything correctly. I don't think I pushed my kids or shown my kids in that direction early enough in their life, which is a failure, you know, as a parent. But what am I going to do about that now? I mean, the, the the thing that's been on my head the most lately is that quote, you know, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Well, when's the second best time now? So that doesn't mean mm-hmm. like, oh, I failed as a mom. I'm never going to talk to my kids about God then. You know, like <laughs> d- that doesn't make any sense. But our brains and our thoughts will tell us that. And it's from our own sinful nature and the devil whispering whispers in our ear. Everything isn't from the devil. Okay. So some people that want to say it's the devil, get behind me. Some of it is your sin, your own sinful nature that you have to take control over. Yeah. Yeah, I so. agree. Would you say that you struggle time to time with ADHD? Yes. Do you go around telling everybody that no. you struggle with ADHD? And I think that's so important that we understand like, we may struggle with things in life like we all do, but if we think we are, if someone says, oh my gosh, this report that you had was late, I know, I'm just, I'm so OCD on everything, or I'm a procrastinator. Listen, you're not always a procrastinator, okay? People don't, you would never make it past a day if you were an ultimate, pro- if you have the worst of the worst, like we have to stop labeling ourselves mm-hmm. and telling ourselves who we are. We need to start telling ourselves, like she said, what we say at CR, you know, I am a believer in Jesus. I am a child of God. These are the things that I know that I am. The rest of the stuff is just character defects that I have that God can come in and take care of. Believe me, if all I ever was was an alcoholic, I would be a very different person if even here still today. And we have to understand like, do not allow these things to define you. These mental health issues that we have may be something that you carry forever, but it does not define who you are. Yeah. And it does make a does difference. Not. Little things like, are you putting the grocery cart back? Uh, you know, when you're done grocery shopping, are you making your bed in the morning? And those little, little things actually make a huge difference in your brain. Your brain yeah. is doing tons of things right now that you don't even, you're not even consciously aware of. Tons. So when you're keeping promises to yourself, like if you tell yourself, I'm setting my alarm, I'm going to get up at 5.30. If you're not getting up, you're breaking a promise to yourself every time. Your brain mm-hmm. gets trained that your alarm goes off, I don't need to get up right now. And then it's that much harder yeah. to, to switch it back until you have to make up your mind that you are going to get up. It's no different than dieting. And that at the beginning of the day, I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm going to be so good today. And then about six or seven o'clock at night, I'm like, I really want something sweet. And then I go to bed and I'm like, oh man. Then I get up in the morning. It's like, man, I sucked. I was so good all day. You know, and rather than just saying I'm a healthy eater, I'm a clean eater. And uh, occasionally on New Year's Eve, if I want to have a piece of cake, I'll have a piece of cake. You know, like once a year, you know, or something. But it's very, very, very important to not let your negatives define you Mm. and to figure out how to 
rewire your brain. And that is doing these little things. Believe it or not, willpower has an, an ex, um, expiration date for yeah. your day. And that's why that there are some super successful people that wear the same set of clothes, not the same actual pieces of clothing, <laughs> but the same type of outfit every day. Sweatshirt, jeans, tennis shoes, sweatshirt, jeans, tennis shoes. Because by the end of the day, you, it's wasted and you have, you have to go to sleep. You have to, you know, get refreshed it's and one less thing you have to worry about. Right. So if you picked out your outfits the night before you're spent for the day, you pick out your outfit, you get up in the morning, it actually would make a difference. You don't have to think about that. You just put it on, yeah. you know? So it's just little things like that, that you have to, to realize what is defining you right now, but how are you going to rewire that if it's negative, if it's not good? How are you mm. going to rewire that so it's good? You have to give yourself wins. You have to make your bed. You have to put your grocery cart away. You have to do these things to start telling yourself, I am good. I am I have yeah. good character. I show up on time. I don't procrastinate. I prepare. I'm not reactive. I'm proactive. I am a forgetful person. I used to be the person that said, I'm a forgetful person. Now I can look at you and say, I'm an extremely organized person. Does that mean anything about my memory? No, because my memory is awful. But I have put things in place to where I don't have to have that be a crutch for me. If I know I have to have a call every Tuesday and Friday with my boss at 9.15, I am not going to remember that. If I set an alarm at 9.14 for every Tuesday and Friday, my alarm goes off and I call into that conference call because they then think I am not a forgetful person. I'm on point. I am on all the time, which isn't true. I mean, it is, but I set up things to, I'm not naturally that way. I think that's taking responsibility though. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of mental health and moving forward yes. in mental health is understanding where you need to take responsibility because it's real easy with mental health issues to fall into the victim mindset yeah. of things like all these things happened to me and this is what's left over. This is what I've gained now. What is you know, it, I closed have, versus fixed? Yeah, fixed. fixed mindset versus growth mindset. Yeah. And we believe those things, but these are the things we tell ourselves. And so it's so powerful to say, hey, maybe, it's so funny because Christy's like, I was diagnosed with being bipolar. I don't think she's bipolar. I just don't. I've never thought she was bipolar. I think she is a female and she's highly emotional at times. Yeah. That doesn't make you bipolar, right? But for her, for 20 years, she thought she was a bipolar, manic, depressive person. No, she wasn't. She's not, though. Like, I am very aware of that. And I don't see any traits of that stuff. And I live with her every single day. So understanding how to define yourself does make a difference and stop telling yourself that you're lying to yourself because this person did that for a long time mm -hmm. and she finally is works so hard at stopping that and and it's made a huge difference yeah it's making a difference and so i don't think you can work on everything all at once because you will have a nervous breakdown okay because <laughs> i did try that and it yeah. doesn't work so my body image and my self talk as far as physically um, my self-worth is still not where I would like it to be, but my self-talk about my body is, I think, a deep, deep root in there. And I've had to focus on so many other things. And I've really started looking at myself like I used to. I had to recognize, you know, when you go in your bathroom, getting ready for a shower in our bathroom, we have this huge long mirror, like from the 70s. You know, the, the all the houses had the huge long mirror with double, the double sink. sinks, yep. you know, and then you can just see yourself like when you go in there. And so I have really tried the last two or three months that I go in there now and I used to be, oh my gosh, that is so disgusting. So, and I had, and I knew, but I wasn't really aware that that's how I was talking to myself. 
And now it has made a difference. Now I'm just like, man, that was so sexy. Like I look good. Like I look really good. And I'm changing like my eyesight on how I look at myself. And yes, I would like to be thinner. Yes, I would like to be fitter. And But I'm not doing anything right now to do that. But I need to start with loving myself where I am now yeah. or I'm never going to get to where I should be, you know, for my health wise. And it has like made a difference. Like I carry myself. I don't carry myself that well right now because I'm having massive back issues. But that's a different episode. <laughs> but I do have like started carrying myself differently about like I look good. I know there's still going to be days that I don't feel really good about myself, but the days have actually gotten a lot more so to where I feel good. Like I mm -hmm. am proud of what I look like. She's you know? yummy is what I'd say. <laughs> She's yummy. All right. So number three, the final thing is you have to learn how to self-regulate, self-regulate. You do have to self-regulate. And that is something that I'm not, there's a difference between self-regulating and self-awareness. Okay. So I am self-aware that I am not very good at self-regulating right now. <laughs> And the reason why I'm not very good at self-regulating is because I have a very, very hard time, which this actually stems from trauma too, and is part of in the mental health community. I have a very, very hard time with sitting still and actually allowing myself to sit down. Like I just got done saying, I love to lay in bed all day and watch movies. I rarely do that. But even on some days where I come home and I'm like, I just want to lay here and watch a movie. The majority of the time that I am doing that, if I do do that, I'm beating myself up about it. So I'm really not allowing myself mentally to recharge or to just get into the movie or to let things go and just chill. I am beating myself up. Like there's so many things you could be doing. It's almost like you. checking a box. Is basically yeah. All you're really you could doing. be working on your business. You could be doing this. You could be doing that. And so self-regulating is understanding the importance of being able to stay regulated and balanced is to be aware. Some people like me, I probably would only need one, a half a day every other week. So every two weeks, if I could go out in the morning, Saturday morning, go grocery shopping and then come home and just be able to lay in bed all day and watch a movie, I think I would be good. But then during the summertime, it's hard because then I'm like, it's super nice out. We don't get very many nice days in Michigan. I'm wasting the day. I'm wasting my life. You know, all of those things. I think the goal, you know, to be honest with you, and it's it's something I've realized over the years, is it's not even the amount of time. Mm. I think it's being able to say that it's okay. Yes. You know, to give yourself the okay for it. I mean, yeah. I really believe that Christy would be fine with her schedule the way that it is if at nighttime when she does sit down that she's okay with just sitting down and saying it's okay that I'm sitting down. Yeah. You know, the majority of that, but that's just not how life works, right? So understanding how to self-regulate, right? How to regulate ourselves and not expect other people to tell us like, it's enough, you're doing enough, you need to stop. Like that's a way that that's, we're not regulating ourselves and we're not giving ourselves permission to be okay and be still because well, if we I'm, all need that. Well, if I'm super honest and I'm surprised self-awareness isn't on this list, but I've talked about it enough. But if I'm being super, super honest, I act on, honest with how I talk to myself. I honestly believe that I am a lazy person, that I'm, I'm lazy and I don't do it. I do. I know. I just don't understand that. <laughs> I just do. I don't <laughs> feel like 
I do enough. I know. Isn't that so bad? Like my cheeks are getting red by saying it. But if I'm honest, and that's the only way that we're going to get anywhere, right? To, by telling. But if I'm actually honest, I feel like I am a super lazy person. <laughs> and it's, it's, that's, it's negative self-talk. It really is. It is. And it's like, you keep telling yourself, like, there's specific things that would make me not a lazy person. And it's like, we get our mind fixated on that. And once we, once we start doing those things, we just find another thing to move our minds on to tell us that, yeah. well, we're not doing this. So we must be a lazy person. Oh, we're not doing this. So we must be a lazy person. I remember when, you know, we have specific roles. Christy has always had a corporate job and I've always been the stay at home dad. And these have been our roles, right? So for years, Christy came home and she had no responsibilities at home. And finally, this was probably eight years ago at this point, I think. I don't know, yeah. it was a lot of years ago. And she finally came home and she's like, I need something to do here. Like, I need to add value to this household when I get home from work. Okay, so working 60 hours enough isn't enough for you. Okay, that's fine. I'll, what do you want to do? I hate doing laundry. She's like, I prefer laundry the best. Great. So now Christy for the last eight years has been doing laundry. But the thing with laundry, the laundry is never perfect enough. It's never done enough. It's never all done enough. It's when she does do it, she like beats the tar out of herself about it. But it's just never enough, right? It's never enough. And so, you know, we have clothes, you know, sitting on a chair uh, out in our living room right now that's not taken care of. Listen to me, people, okay? And you should comment like mad on this, okay? We have children that are 18, 20, and 20 in our household right now. She washes, folds, and puts away their clothes for them, okay? And she takes that on as her responsibility. I understand it's a love language thing. I understand that. But the problem with this, the mental health of it, is that she takes it on to herself, beats herself up when these things don't get done in a way that Christy approves of. So she doesn't have a way of self-regulating and making things okay when I'm like, it's fine. And she's like, okay, fine, it's fine. And then two days go by and it piles up and she's like, see, it's not fine. It's not fine. Yeah, you tell her, Melissa. And it's true though. And that's the sad thing about it is that's, this is mental health issues that we need to work through and have a partner that's willing to encourage us and say, you do more than enough. Yeah. You are the exact opposite of lazy. You do, she does too much as the part of the problem. And that's why she gets so tired. But that's my opinion of the situation. I think what has helped though, honestly is and that's why it's so important for marriages because your partner does make a big issue like you guys really do need to have grace and understanding for one another one of the biggest things that helped me was um i when when i'm emotional to where i'm crying i get really embarrassed i used to be fine with crying like i used to be like this is god breaking down more walls inside of me and I really had to go through a huge crying period for years mm -hmm. because all I knew how to handle it was um, anger and physical violence and things like that. So when he finally broke me down, I cried a lot. I would cry a lot if I got angry or if I was happy. I cried and cried and cried. And I still am a crier, but I cried a lot more. And I think some of the things, one of the things that really helped is when I got with him and I was having more frequent bad days, quote unquote, they weren't bad. They were growth days, but, um, they weren't like happy jumping around days is I would be crying and I would tell him, I don't know why I'm crying and I just don't understand. And he would be like, why do you have to have a reason? Like your body needs to cry right now. 
just cry. It's fine. And that helped me a lot because I was constantly seeking reasons. Like, why am I so sad? Why am I so depressed? Why am I so this? I don't, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be, which is beating yourself up yeah. rather than just saying, I'm depressed. I'm struggling with that right now. And this is the things I don't need to focus on why, because a lot of times, especially if you're struggling with mental health, there is no reason it's from trauma or it's for something that happened to you in your life. You can't figure it out. What do I need to do to feel better? Mm -hmm. And sometimes laying in bed and crying all day is that response. And the next day you feel Mm -hmm. better. Sometimes it's going out for a walk. Sometimes it's going to get a big bowl of ice cream. You know, that it's, that's, that's just what it is in, you can't stay there. You have to be doing That's things it. to be like, what do I need to do to feel better? Not mm. like I should feel better. What are things that I have to actively do that I need to actively do to get better and to be better and to feel better? And sometimes it is spending the whole day in bed feeling bad yeah. and allowing myself to feel allowing that way. Though. And then moving on. But he helped with that a lot because I was always trying to, I don't feel like I ever since baby i can't cry sometimes i want to but i can't it's different for everybody i can't it's actually funny it is not crying it reminds me of the movie melissa if you haven't seen it it's called the holiday but cameron diaz is in that movie and she can't cry in that movie she wants to shows her she's like and she like can't it's just hilarious but by the end that's hormonal for you yeah yeah (laughs) but when it comes to when it comes to self-regulation though, we have to understand like Christy's saying, when we're struggling with something, it's okay to say it's okay to feel it, to just don't put don't build a house on it. Don't stay there. Don't live in it. And that's the self-regulation of uh, you know, of depression or any other type of mental health issue that you have. Or denying and pretending it's not there. Right, right. Like I shouldn't feel this way. Yeah, I shouldn't. I, I need I to shouldn't. toughen up. I, I need shouldn't. To, yeah, I need to get strong. I need to toughen up. And that's a guy thing. The guys tend to do that a lot too. You're not allowing yourself to Mm-mm. feel it. But if you look up child children that were sexually abused or physically abused and things like that growing up, they learned to adapt their behavior or stuff feelings of their own to not cause any swelling or you know um a reaction out of the people in their lives that were there to protect them mm-hmm. so they knew that they had to adjust or be keenly aware of what the adult in their life was feeling that day or acting that day and they adjust accordingly yeah and so it's very important to validate your feelings on what you're feeling and bring them to the surface because you aren't used to doing that. You would tell yourself, I am scared right now, but I'm not going to be scared. I'm going to be quiet and aware and ready, you know, type of thing. And so that's the stuff that you have to learn how to do and be okay with talking about like, be vulnerable. Yeah. Vulnerable. Like, do you think that I want to walk around and tell people like, yeah, I was molested until I was 16. I'm sure some people are like, you were 16 years old. You didn't say anything like, no, I like really just allowed that to happen to me, you know, until I found out it was happening to someone else. And then I'm like, okay, I have to say something. Cause I, I am a protector by nature of mm-hmm. others, just not myself. So as soon as I find out something's happening to someone else, I am 
in it, baby. Like <laughs> I am like, let me find out that someone's hurting you because it's about to go down. <laughs> I will go to my grave defending that person or standing up for that person. And that's just stuff that I had to deal with. And I am, you know, Josh and I joke around. He tells me I'm not hard to love, but I am an intense person. I think that's some ADHD too, but I'm really intense. You know, I'm super happy at times and loud and just like, I don't know, crazy. It's kind of weird, goofy, you know, and other times I'm just like, and it's not days. Sometimes it's like minute to minute, you know? And then all of a sudden I'm just like, angry you know and he just deals with it he takes it all with i like the angry part that's the because he knows my heart i actually am a very kind loving like i don't have actually any malicious intent in my body she actually doesn't say mean words to anybody which is pretty impressive because <laughs> i i want i love using mean words to people like about people to people like that's like my thing right and that's really hard for me i have to work hard on that but Christy is just never wants to insult people. No. Um, she doesn't like other drivers. No, she'll call other drivers stupid. Yeah. But she doesn't, she's not a person that just goes around like insulting people, mm-hmm. being hurtful with her words. She's very kind with that, even in, you know, so that's how you know her core is soft and, and lovey. But she's learned how to defend herself over the years and get prickly in certain ways and stuff. And I actually like that part of her. But um, I was, though, yeah. a very angry. This is where I get so much appreciation for God and how much he saved my life because number one, I tried to commit suicide and he didn't allow it. Thank, thank you God for that. But I was so angry and so hard for so long that I ended up hurting so many people too in my life by just not, not caring. Like I used to not care about hurting someone's feelings. I didn't. And I actually had no remorse. Like people say like, but they go home and they have to put their head in their pillow. And they know I didn't care. I didn't (laughs) at all. Like, it's just because I was a very hateful person. And I think that's why so much you're a different person. The old is gone. The new has come. Mm. And that is such a real thing for me because when I really committed my life to God and I really submitted to him, I, I used to not care about hurting people's feelings or insults or nothing. I didn't care at all. had no remorse over it. And now I'm exact opposite. I couldn't imagine saying mean things to someone. Mm. I couldn't imagine doing that. And then if I ever did or even thought it, I go to bed at night, I'm like eating myself up about it. You know, God um, has really convicted me recently to, you know, be like, uh, I want you to go through days without thinking a bad thought about someone. And I don't think bad thoughts like like uh, cutting someone down from their like physical appearance or something. But I think something like how could they not care about the team or about how they aren't living up to their responsibilities? How can they not care? You know, that's weak, you know, and all this stuff like he's like, don't think a negative thought about a person. Yeah. Like spend your time focusing on you and how you can be a testimony for me Mm. and don't waste any more time. Yeah. Melissa says, I remember the other you. God's answered so many prayers. Yeah, she would remember the old you. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, and uh, we have some friends that we occasionally see and they're like the last remaining friends that I had for quite a while in my old life. 
and now have been involved in my new life. And they talk about it every time we get around them now. Yeah. Every single time uh, they will say, man, like the old Christy would beat up dudes, you know, <laughs> like and just like lash out at people. And she's completely different now. And that's why I get so emotional when I'm singing to God. That's why I get so emotional when I talk about God, because he really did change me. But you have to submit to him to allow him to do that. Like, and that's why it's okay to me that I have mental health issues, you know, that I struggle with depression and anxiety. And, um, I am not ashamed Mm. of them as much because it's life, you know? Yeah. Your sister's so sweet. And tried to be tougher at the bullies. Yeah. Yeah. Christina said, God has answered so many prayers in my life and continues to bless me through my hardships. You know, that's the blessing when we can, I get goosebumps. That's the blessing, right? We all suffer with something, you know, but to see it as a blessing and how we get to use these hardships uh, to, to honor God with our lives, that's where the change, that's the true change in our lives right there. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. It is true. It's not an easy thing. And the thing is that it's so important that we know, that you know today is that Christy is completely a different person today, but she still suffers with mental health issues. Mm-hmm. She doesn't allow that to define her though. She allows the work that God has done in her to define her. Well, and I've always been a and protector at my core. Always at my core have I been a protector. So you can use that. I've always said your biggest, your biggest uh, superpower that God has given you can be your strength and your biggest weakness, your mm. biggest strength or your biggest weakness. So I could use my protector thing to be evil and mean and condescending sure. and stuff, or I can use it to bring awareness, education and hope. help and hope <laughs> to others. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's a big, it's a big deal. Yeah. Mental health is a big deal. It's not something that just I kind of get upset anymore about our society because I think they throw around diagnosis a little bit that's unneeded and people are walking around under false pretenses about themselves. That's where God comes in. And uh, I do think prayer and a good Christian community is huge, but you really need to know these things. You need to understand your signs. You need to understand that, especially if you're a female too, you are naturally just more emotional person. That doesn't mean that because you're like, I'm on my period and so I'm going to cry, you know, right now. That or doesn't, punch. yeah. That doesn't mean like you're falling into depression. It means you're hormonal, hormonal, yeah. you know? Yeah. So you need to understand your signs. Don't let it define you. Let Christ define you yeah. and learn how to self regulate or have a mental health day. You know, to where um, you can prevent it and have it. Like Josh was saying, the times that I struggle with these things are so much fewer and farther in between, which is true. It is. I had a little mini episode this past Sunday and it comes out of the blue and I don't spend too much time now. My initial thing when we were standing in the church was like, why am I feeling this way? Why? I don't have a reason. But it was just a few seconds. And as soon as he walked up to me, I'm like, I need to go outside. No, I think I was walking outside. You were walking back out as I was coming in. Yeah. And so he's like, what's going on? He doesn't ask me. Then he's like, I'm like, I just need to come outside. He's like, okay. And he stands there and he talks to me. And I was allowed myself to look around and look at the sun. And Yeah, we don't live in the why. We just live in the what can we do in the moment. We stop asking why. Yeah. Why does it matter? 
Yeah, it doesn't. The why doesn't matter. I think so many people that suffer with mental health is constantly asking themselves why. And the problem is you'll never get you'll never get a reason that's satisfying. Yeah. It just it'll just alert you with another why. And so one of the girls that I counseled has said what helped her a lot because she's been struggling with sexual abuse that has happened to her as a child for a long time. And I said, I think too much time is spent on talking about the sexual abuse and wanting to dissect it and think about that person and everything else rather than just saying, I was sexually abused. These things happened to me. It shouldn't have happened to me. It was wrong. What can I do now mm-hmm. to get over it? Yeah. You know, what can I do now to be healthy? What can I do now to heal yeah. from that? It's you have to speak it, be aware of it. Instead of saying like, oh my gosh, it shouldn't have happened to me. Oh my gosh, that person. Oh my, no, you were abused. It happened. It's wrong. It should not have happened. That person that was supposed to protect you didn't. They hurt you on the biggest level. Now that you're hurt, what can I do? What Mm -hmm. can I do? How can God use it for good? Correct. Yeah. How can God use this? How would God want me to have this as a testimony? Would God want me to keep it silent and be embarrassed about it? No. If you're embarrassed and shame, that's from the devil. That's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. God wants you to be proud. And what you meant for harm, God meant for good. Mm-hmm. That's in the Bible too. So it's it's very, very important. Yes, it happened to you. You have to accept it. You have to acknowledge it. It was wrong. That's It's not your fault. All of those things. There's nothing wrong with you, which that was a huge one. Like I start getting like all misty eyed talking about that. There's nothing wrong with you. You didn't do anything wrong as a child to deserve parents or grandparents or anything that did those things to you. But how does God want you to move forward now? Yeah. So. Yeah, your sister. Yeah, I love that she said that because it's so true. How can God use it for good, Christina? And I was talking about you the other day, Melissa, to our life group or at church or something that you are a strong force in my life. Like, and when I have a a moment to where something is happening to me, like when I had a lawsuit served to me, you know, a couple of years ago and I called you, you are an immediate godly biblical person resource in my life that can say, let's pray right now. Let's talk about scripture, pick out three scriptures. You're going to focus on through the entirety of this process. You're always going to go back to these three these three verses and it it's powerful things. I still have mm-hmm. a screenshot of those three verses that I text to you in my phone because I never want to forget those verses ever. You know, those verses got me through and it's very, very good, wise counsel. Mm-hmm. And it's very important to have those people in your life. It is. And, you know, I did, simply without reading everything that Christina said, I would you know encourage anybody to go back and read it. But uh, at the very last sentence, I love it says, live life in their glory. And mm-hmm. we have to remember, you're right. This whole thing, what she said is just really wonderful. And the thing is, you're right. You know, get, we have to trust in God in our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all created this is a sinful world that we live in. We need to trust in God to bring the healing, God to bring the direction, God to bring people within our lives that we can trust and believe in and lean on and not think to ourselves that we have to deal with all of this stuff alone. We all have baggage and things that's happened and stuff we have to deal with no matter what. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in your marriage, you know, work on being that person for your spouse. Even if your spouse isn't that person for you today, be that support for your spouse, because I can guarantee you eventually your spouse will then grow strong enough to be that for you. And 
mental health is not anything to be taken lightly, but as Christy as being a testimony for this, she is somebody that's been diagnosed her whole adult life and she's not on medication anymore. And she doesn't suffer in the way that she used to by maybe one one hundredth of what she used to. And that is not by accident. That's with intentionality, responsibility. That's with the spirit of God in her life. That's with support. That's with vulnerability on her behalf. It's all of these things that we have to be willing to do to allow God to really work hard in our lives in these areas. You're not disabled from this. Mm. You have to allow God to work through these things with you. Well, and if you, if you guys haven't heard of, I think her name or singing name was Nightbird or something like that. But she is a Christian. She was on the X Factor. She had cancer and uh, she passed away recently. And she posted a lot of YouTube videos. She became kind of, you know, kind of mini famous, you know, from her. But she said a quote while she was at her X Factor audition that said, they said, while you're here, you know, she had, act she was actively had cancer all over her body. Yeah. And she said, you cannot wait for life to not be hard before you decide to be happy. And that was a quote that's now went all around. And she, a lot of YouTube videos she posted out when she was, you know, nearing her end would still say, God is good. Mm. Praise God. You can look her up. And it, she was a light and and we won't understand why God chose to let her go so early. We won't know, but I do know that she, she's making a huge impact. She made an impact on me just from that quote. Yeah. I just was thinking about that quote, quote randomly yesterday or today. Like you can't wait about my back pain. You know, I'm like, I can't wait for life to stop being hard before I decide to be happy. I need to be mm -hmm. happy. I need to choose to be happy. God has me here for a reason, yeah. you know? And if I had to be in pain for the rest of my life, that's what he's called me to do. You know, and I need to have a positive attitude about yeah, it. Yeah, and I think making, you know, taking, you know, responsibility in our lives to work towards those goals of yeah. happiness. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to allow the things that's happened in my past or the things that happened today to define my tomorrow. Right. I'm going to take action. I'm going to do the things. I'm going to clear the people out of my lives that are toxic. You know, I'm going to get the job that doesn't bring me down but lifts me up. Like, I'm going to do the hard things to make sure that tomorrow's a better day. And that's part of yeah. what is going to make your mental health better tomorrow. It's yeah. not an overnight process. Like this is something that she's been working on for a decade, you know, to get better. Yeah. And at times, sometimes she feels like it's a losing battle. And other times she's like, I know that God's winning in this arena with my life. I know it. And yeah. so, you know, we just want to encourage you, like this is Mental Health Awareness Month. You know, know that you're not alone in this. Reach out to people and community within your church. You know, really suggest that you you don't just do a virtual community with this type of stuff. It's so important that you do a face-to-face -face community. You know, if you live out of state or you live someplace outside of the greater Flint area of where we're located in Michigan, you know, find a Celebrate Recovery where you can actually get with other people that are saying, hey, my life is not going great or it has not gone great. And I'm just looking for support. That's one of the greatest things I think has happened in our lives over the mm -hmm. years is having a support group to share our burdens with each other. And, and we have life really, group too. We have our church and our life group. group. Yeah. I mean, it's, and we talk about the same stuff. Yeah. And we talk about it. Yeah. So understand that you're not in this journey all by yourself. You know, it's, it's really important to know that you're not alone in this journey and uh, God loves you and mm -hmm. God wants to use you, but we have to allow him to use us. What did she say? She goes, I heard a quote. Remember that something you're living now is something that you've prayed for. Being a stay at home yeah. mom is hard, but I am living my dream. Amen, sister. Yeah.
Christina says happiness is is now, not in the future. It always is always happening in this moment, not tomorrow, because tomorrow isn't promised. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. And it is true. And I understand that sometimes our life is not going smooth and it's hard to embrace that. But the only way we're going to make tomorrow better is by living in today and doing everything we can to live happily today. Mm -hmm. That's not always easy. No. So we want to thank you so much for being here, uh, being on this episode. If there's anything that uh, we can get you connected to, maybe you're interested in a Celebrate Recovery, feel free to uh, direct message us, DM us, and we'll be happy to get you well connected. But other than that, we hope all is well, and we'll see you next Tuesday at 7. Flip you on the flip side. <laughs> Bye!